Welcome, welcome, my beloveds, to the Spirit Talk Podcast. I am your host, Michael L. Pearson. I am founder of the marriage community, Love and Matrimony, as well as Christian Counseling Ministries. I am also the author of the book, Unintentional Sins, Bridging the Gap Between the LGBT Community and the Church. So why don't you sit back, relax, and prepare yourself to be enlightened, informed, and inspired as we quiet the flesh and let our spirits talk. Okay, welcome everybody to the Spirit Talk Podcast. I'm here with my first of many guests here on the Spirit Talk Podcast. She is the co-author of the book, Our Stories, His Glory which is a collection of African-American female authors who have come together to tell their story of love, heartbreak, divorce, abuse, and most of all, triumph from one single platform. There's something in this book for literally every woman to learn from and to be inspired. So let's get started. As I welcome to the Spirit Talk podcast, Miss Melanie Smiles. It is a pleasure, a complete and total pleasure to have you here. Um, let's thank you. Okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> now, now, my audience is predominantly female, so we are definitely in the perfect place to uh, have this discussion. So, it's okay. truly, truly, my pleasure to have you here. So, let's just jump right into it because I want this to get this information out. Um, it's nothing fabricated here, this is all your story. This is what you've lived. This is what you've been through. This is what you've broken through. This is what this is. This is your story of triumph. So um, I want to just dive right into this. Now, your chapter is called Beautifully Broken. Can you explain what that means to you so that our listeners can get a better feel for what your journey has been? Absolutely. First of all, uh, Michael, I do want to say thank you for having me on your podcast. It's simply mm-hmm. an honor to be interviewed by one of the people I look towards for understanding and confirmation during some of my more challenging times. So thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Welcome. Uh, beautifully Broken. Um, beautifully Broken, it is a, um, a chapter that I wrote in a book uh, called Our Story, His Glory. Like you mentioned, the book consists of 16 different authors, including myself. Each author wrote their own story or testimony on how they overcame and how God moved in their lives when they went through trials and tribulations. And we just giving God the honor and the praise for uh, his work within us. Um, beautifully Broken. It is my personal experience with brokenness. It is a story of real events that happened in my life that led to my brokenness. I titled my chapter Beautifully Broken, not that beauty is in brokenness itself, Mm -hmm. but in how I allowed my brokenness to restore and change me to be a better version of myself. Absolutely. 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 And that, that, that really is what it has to be about, you know, a lot of people go through things and we all do. First of all, there is, we all do. We all go through things. Uh, but a lot of people go through things and they allow the process and it's just a process. They allow the process to break them. And in that broken state, they try to continue to operate from the brokenness. But 
just as you're titled, I thought it was perfectly uh, titled, uh, Beautifully Broken. There is some beauty in being broken. If you go through, you have to go through in order to see it. Okay, now you talk about growing up in a two-parent Christian household. Now you had parents, you had praying parents, and even a prayer life of your own. It would appear that all the pieces were in place. You guys had done it right. Were there were there areas in your struggle, in your faith, even with having such a strong foundation? Because I'm pretty sure our listeners would think that there had to be some missing components. And just from your picture, you know, the image of the uh, of your household and your coming up, it looked like things were just perfect. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, I did grow up in a two-parent Christian household where we prayed and we went to church. And um, my parents, they were very loving and caring to me. They worked a lot. Uh, they were successful entrepreneurs and still moral values, um, you know, good things into our lives um, and set a good foundation. But there were some cracks in the foundation. Since my parents worked a lot, uh, they were inconsistent in, I would say, their faith. Mm-hmm. Going to church. Uh, when they didn't go to church, they sent us to church. You know, we read the Bible at church, very little Bible study. Um, you know, we were told and taught to pray and listen to gospel music, respect older people, be nice. Right. Um, but no relationship with the Lord, no intimacy with the Lord. So just mm-hmm. a relationship. And um, that's where things went wrong for me as far as I call it being uh, spiritually depressed because I knew of the Lord, but I didn't know him. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I'm sure that played a, uh, a major role. Now, um, you speak about your shame. And I thought this was pre- I thought this was very interesting. You speak about your shame in the book as well. Can you explain what caused your shame? Yes, absolutely. Well, um, my shame it started when I became a teenage mother of two kids before graduating high school, disappointing my parents, knowing that they worked so hard to protect us and keep us going down the path that they went down or maybe right. the that they went down. Um, you know, we were told to go to college and go to school and they thought that I was actually a pretty good girl. So the shame came from me disappointing my family and also uh, from friends at school, you know, in the community. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, even though my parents, when we, uh, when my parents became successful, I didn't always grow up in a suburban neighborhood. When my parents became successful and started growing in a career, we moved to a suburban neighborhood, predominantly all white. And, mm-hmm. you know, I was actually frowned upon because that wasn't common in that community, you know. Right. Um, my classmates, they grew up in that community that I moved to with smart parents, educated, successful parents, uh, totally, two totally different backgrounds where I came up in the area that was centered and surrounded around poverty, violence, and drugs. And I, I just didn't fit in. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's where my shame came from, you know, letting my parents down, the community, right. friends, family, you know. Right. And I'm, I'm sure that, uh, like I said, this is just life. 
this is just life, and I'm sure that there are there are plenty, plenty of you know young women, uh, maybe even some older women who have uh, made certain decisions that have brought about some degree or some manner of uh, shame. Not so much because I think shame we can deal with it mm-hmm. if it's just in and of ourselves. When you have so many outside eyes and so many uh, expectations, it compounds. You know, it can compound the shame that you carry. So. Let me ask you this. How did you how were you able to manage that dealing with that shame? Well, more works, no intimacy with the Lord, um, but more works. I worked hard to uh, be successful. You know, I still graduated on time, self-fulfillment and uh, self-sufficient to prove the people that talked about me long, saying that I wasn't going to be anything, that I wasn't Mm -hmm. that, that cast me out. So I got through that off of working and being successful to cover that up, to prove people wrong. Mm-hmm. Now, being a teen mom with two children, were you ever in a place where you felt like God was not with you? You can say that. I just didn't know that it was the feeling of God not being with me. Um I carry the feeling of loneliness. I didn't know what that loneliness was. And I talk about that in my book, that I carry this mm-hmm. void feeling of incomplete for so long, for so many years. Um, and only to know that I was thirsting for the Lord. I had a hunger for the Lord. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yes, I, I, I did feel like that. Even though I had, you know, I was successful and I had family support and love. I still felt like it was a disconnect with the Lord. Mm-hmm. See, this is this is in counseling. This is what I tell people all the time: that there is never a second, a minute, mm-hmm. an hour in the day that God is not with each and every one of us. He is forever present. He's yes. always a part of our day. He's always a part of our experience. Now, here's where the disconnect can sometimes come in. Sometimes I think we become so preoccupied with our burdens, our shame, our uh, miscues that we miss, we overlook his presence Mm. and we overlook the manner in which he may ultimately be trying to deal with us. Because a lot of times what he wants us to do in the direction he may want to take us in, Mm -hmm. we may not see what we desire in that direction. So we shut that path off. So. Yeah, I, I, I totally, totally understand what you're saying. But one thing that I thought, and, and this really, really touched on, one thing that I thought was uh, huge in your story was uh, in your early years, you talked about uh, your marriage to someone who was narcissistic. You suffered uh, at the hands of a narcissistic husband. What were some indicators? Because I think this is key because there are a lot of people, and this is my experience counseling people who recover from narcissistic abuse. My experience is a lot of people are in narcissistic relationships, but they do not make an identification of their spouse being narcissistic until they hear other people's stories. Then it becomes familiar. Then they kind of start, they start to realize that, wow, how can we both be having the same exact experience. That is because for the most part, people are probably 
both people are probably dating or married to someone who is narcissistic. So what were some indicators that suggested to you that you were in a relationship with a narcissist? Well, before we were married, while we were in early in our dating, I did see some of the red flags. Mm -hmm. um, I ignored them, you know, because wow. he was so charming and he was so, he would cover it up. And I felt like I didn't want to lose this relationship from a man that, you know, I know loved me so much and I, I love him and things were going so well. It wasn't until we got married and mm -hmm. the uh, narcissistic traits and characteristics started being more significant and consistent and more defiant until they were becoming destructive in our marriage. And, you know, I'm also a registered nurse, so I mm -hmm. do know um, about behavior health and personality disorders and narcissism, mm -hmm. but honestly... It was really from what I, from some of the patients that I took care of, and since I'm an emergency department nurse, it was very limited, uh, um, very limited time spent with those patients. So it wasn't until I married a narcissist, mm -hmm. married to a narcissist, because we use the word narcissist these days so loosely. Um, Absolutely. But, you know, I, until I started seeing those traits and they were, Ooh, they were very consistent. He was textbook narcissist. Huh, yep. <laughs> and he admitted to it. He, he admitted to it. So in the dating, he would say it jokingly in a nonchalant manner, you know, I'm a narcissist, but you know, he was a truly a covert sociopath <laughs> narcissist. Mm -hmm. One of the viewers. So um, you know, when I got married and when he finally got in, my grandmother used to always say, you never know anyone until you live with them. Mm -hmm. And we didn't uh, move in until we got married. And that's when things just started just falling completely apart. Right. You know, the, the pattern that you're describing is that I know you're very familiar with this, but the pattern that you're describing in case we have listeners here who may not understand, but they can hear the way you're putting it and place it with the with 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 this pattern but you're i know you're very familiar with the idealized devalue and discard yes you have textbook explained narcissistic behavior the charm uh seeing the red flags at the same time he was so charming and, and persuasive well that's the idealization phase where they idealize you they put you on a pedestal but the sole reason they put you there is so that they can snatch it away from you mm -hmm. have you fall devalue you, and then discard you. And the sick thing is, if they would just do those three things and leave it be, that'd be fine. But the sick thing is, they start that process all over again from the top. So you go through this very, very sick cycle of being with uh, somebody that is that is using a pattern like that against you, and not only using it against you, but is also enjoying it. So uh, now some people might ask, considering, you know, even if it may have been a limited uh uh, knowledge, Miss Miss Mouse, on 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 uh personality disorders. Some might ask how an intelligent, strong, educated black woman such as yourself even gets caught up with someone who was narcissistic. Can you explain how that can happen? Yes, he himself is very charming. He is beautiful, intelligent, wise, um, successful man. Um, he appeared to have it all together for years before we dated. He's also a pillar in the community. 
Uh, he wow. knew all the things to say. Huh. He was a, a, a complete master of his craft. And I was actually vulnerable to his schemes because I was spiritually depressed. He knew the word. There you he go. Was, he was a mm-hmm. minister. And the devil knows what you want. You know, he, the devil is not going to appear as this mean looking uh, man in a red suit with horns <laughs> and a pitchfork. That's not how it's going to happen. He's going to appear with looking the way you want. You know, he's going to be attractive. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter what, a, you know, I look like or what I have or anyone have or uh, what they have going on. Um, mm-hmm. Anyone can fall prey to these victims and, and absolutely how intelligent you are, how much money you have. That doesn't mean anything when you're coming up against a narcissist. You need the full armor of God. Absolutely. That is something I did not have. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right, right, right. I totally, I, I completely understand. And you are so, so on point. I mean, your experiences have, well, like you said, beautifully broken. Your experiences have given you a beauty and a joy now that you really, you can only get after going through it. I mean, you have, you have to actually go through it to receive the full blessing of it. So yeah, that's, I I, I totally follow you on that. Um, Here's something that's key. How did you know it was time for you to leave? What was the indicator to let you know it was time for you to go? Wow. Well, I will say it was plenty of times when I should have left. The trauma bond is real. Um, when I really wanted to leave, um, he would come back when I did put uh-huh. him out, separate, you know, he would come back, he would apologize and say, you know, God has been talking to him and working with him and he will never do this again. And I wanted to believe that, you know, even though he, we had went through cycles of this over and over again, I wanted to believe it uh-huh. and I still love. And um, that was that was hard for me to let go when I should have. But when it became a matter of life and death, um, when right. I was second from being an inpatient psych patient myself, mm-hmm. absolutely, I, you know, <laughs> I was mm-hmm. never, I was never suicidal, but possibly homicidal, only for fear of the unknown of what he might do to me and because I just wanted him to stop hurting me. Absolutely. So I totally understand. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and wanted the agonizing pain to stop. And um, it was hard. It, it was it was hard. And, um, you know, it was the grace of God that mm-hmm. I, I ended up, you know, leaving. It was, you know, a matter of life and death. Absolutely. And, and usually that's what it boils down to. Like I say, your, 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 your story is so textbook. That's what it boils down to either inflicting self-harm, inflicting harm on the narcissist or uh, just becoming or staying and becoming so mentally broke down that you wind up just a shell of, uh, you know, of who you were when you started out. So yeah, you, you, uh, you, you, you are completely right. Now, I understand that that is how you knew when it was time to leave. It was a matter of uh, life and death. And that's usually part for the course. But let me ask you, because I think this will benefit so many women and men too. Because it's not just women that's in narcissistic relationships. There are men in narcissistic relationships too. But tell me this. How did you manage to get yourself out of such an abusive relationship? Well... 
Well, before I completely left, you know, I realized that being married to him, he was infecting every area of my life, you know, from not just my marriage, but my career, my job. I was demoted, um, causing drama uh, throughout every area of my my life, finances, my faith, family, and friends. Mm -hmm. Um, But when I did decide that I had to leave, you know, it was... Um, prayer with my family, drawing closer to God, join instead of isolating myself, which I, I did quite a bit because I was embarrassed and shamed and hurt. Isolating uh-huh. um, myself at home, um, you know, allowing the devil to infiltrate my mind. I um, used God isolations. I got into the word. I felt, felt I fed myself right. the word and prayer and positive um affirmations, family and friends who had my back and just kept going, you know, going to church and just, you know, picking mm-hmm. it all up. You know, mm-hmm. So you, <laughs> so it's safe to say that in your inability to let go, because a lot of times the attachment is so strong that a person finds it difficult to let go. So is it safe to say that in your inability to let go, you instead turned and grabbed onto something else, friends, family, your faith, God. Yes, that is okay. correct. Okay. Okay. That's, uh, th- yeah, and I think, I think that will benefit a lot of people. I think a lot of people will uh, benefit from that because as some, sometimes it feels like it's a no way out and a no win uh, situation. But what I tell people oftentimes in abusive relationships I tell clients that they will hit their crossroad moment. This is where the hard work begins, where you actually have to be willing to cause yourself some pain in order to heal. It's where the heartache and heartbreak lives. What was your crossroads moment? Mm. Um, My crossroad moment was um, besides everything falling apart. This was a pivotal point. Letting go was actually my pivotal point in my life. When I prayed, you know, I, I remember this prayer specifically. I prayed to God, you know, that remove anything that is toxic, that is hurting me, that is not meant to prosper me or flourish. I said a long prayer, but I was also afraid of what I will lose. And I didn't want to lose my marriage. I wanted God to fix it. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he, you know, just days after their prayer, I saw God moving in my life and he, you know, we completely separated and my husband ended up going to jail. And from that moment on, I knew that that was the time for me to and to rebuild my life. So that was a crossroad moment for me. Okay. Um, Yeah. Mm -hmm. Almost sounds like it was sent firsthand by God. Mm. because I had it not, and that's why I say it sounds like it's tragic. It sounds like it could be tragic, but it's according to whose perspective, I guess, that you're looking at it from, because from your perspective, it was uh, it was a blessing in disguise. It was, and I wrote that in my book and also um, the book that I have coming out, that sometimes we feel that it's the enemy that comes into our life to destroy our so-called happy lives when it can very well be God's divine intervention because sometimes we just want things so bad even though it's hurting us and not good for us mm-hmm. and God just have to come in like a wrecking ball and just 
you know, sometimes demolition requires, renovation requires demolition. Mm, Absolutely. (laughs) Honestly, tell him, even if it hurt me, I, I still thank God for sending him into our life, into my life. Oh, that's healing. That is healing. Coming into my life and um, causing what he caused, my faith would not be where it is today. I would Absolutely. not be able to uh, have these new businesses, these books, these organizations, and feel like I'm actually walking in my purpose right now. Absolutely. You know, he wasn't meant for us, my husband, it wasn't meant for us to be together. I believe he was definitely an assignment. Absolutely. Miss Smiles, those are words of healing you speaking right there. I mean, that is you are definitely speaking from a healed place where you've experienced something and you saw the value in it. You didn't take it personal. You're not holding it. You're not walking with bitterness and anger and resentment. You have used that for your purpose. Man, I tell you what, that is uh, that is incredible. That is totally incredible. I, I tell people that, you know, your brokenness is never wasted. You know, God mm-hmm. uses those moments in their brokenness to reveal something. And when you're going through something, you got to think God is using that brokenness for a few different ways to either increase and grow your faith in him uh, mm-hmm. to character building or for other people to see you going through something and you can uh, reach back and help them with your testimony. So it, it's it's a reason why we go through what we go through. And when we're going through something so strong, so devastating, if you can just get through that, you will be able to understand why God put you in that situation. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I tell people that I believe that I was beautifully broken because it was God's way of rebuilding my broken soul with his love, grace, insight, knowledge, wisdom, and mindfulness. And I'm just embracing it as a part of my testimony and just reaching back to help anyone else that is dealing with brokenness and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I totally understand. That's why I say, but you have a you have an amazing, just a completely and totally amazing story. Now, in your experience, I know you had to deal with heartache and heartbreak. Um I know you've experienced both. Which one was harder for you to overcome? The heartache or the heartbreak? Mm, definitely the heartbreak. Um, mm-hmm. I actually never really experienced heartbreak until I got married and got to this 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 right. point in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, to me, a heartbreak is something short-lived. You know, it's a a stub toe, uh, a relationship that you get in and you get out, and you're nothing. You're not really affected by it. But brokenness, a heartbreak, to me, it it, it can. Ooh, that's a whole mm-hmm. other world. So much emotions and physical and mental stress and it's just like a never-ending excruciating pain and it just felt in your mind heart spirit and flesh and it can take on many forms like depression and anxiety and you know, suicidal and homicidal thoughts bitterness mm-hmm. you know all of that, you know toxic things that you know can infiltrate your mind um a lot of people would think that me having two kids before graduating high school and raising them on my own and the struggles. Yes, that was hard, but actually being married to a narcissist was one of my greatest trials. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Uh, 
I consider a heartbreak, you know, so that uh-huh. was my greatest because it affected everything, my, my, my mind, my spirit, my heart, my everything. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now I'll tell you what, we've, we've, we've talked about, uh, we've talked about some interesting things here, but I want to get to what I see today. Mm-hmm. I want to get, get to what I hear today. And that is your, uh, and I mean, and I'm talking about just even in your spirit in your, the way you speak, the way you deliver the things that you say, let's talk about your beauty because that's your end result. That's what you're living in now. In yeah. spite of everything you've been through, you are now living in, you're a butterfly. You've come out the cocoon and you're living in your beauty. So tell me about Miss Melanie Smiles today. Considering the degree of brokenness you've experienced, how has that benefited your life today? What are you living in? I'm living in peace. A peace mm-hmm. of mind. Freedom. Um, I'm not trapped into um, entrapped into what was hurting me, what was affecting my life anymore. Um, the understanding that I received from, you know, narcissists and their spirits and healing and things like that, it, it's a peace of mind that I have, you know, that healing is everything. Mm-hmm. So peace. I'm, ha- I'm, I'm happy. Um, and I am in a much better place. I moved from that place of brokenness to a place of, of healing. And I, I'm, I don't, I can't, I don't take that uh, brokenness or pain from situation to situation or relationship to relationship. And I just want to reach back and help the one that is experiencing some of the same or similar issues and um, encourage them to let go of what is hurting them, to get an understanding, to get a, to get to the root of their problem and move forward, you know, hurt people, hurt other people. Absolutely. People and heal others. So that's where I am today. Absolutely. Okay. Well, that's, that's why I say that is, that is, that is so, so, so beautiful. I mean, there's no other word that I can think of uh, to use, but uh, let me ask you this. What things has the experience birth from you i know you have the uh you have the book um what things has the experience birthed has caused you to birth forward? what have you birthed forward from this experience um actually um the book was actually one of the one of the first things um Mm -hmm. Glory, his glory. And then I'm also uh, birthing my own book that I wrote all by myself that is going to be out within the next uh, maybe week or two. Uh Um, And I also am able to help the people that is in my family and they get understanding of what they're going through when they're dealing with trials. Absolutely. Your testimony. Uh uh, Yes. Um, because it, it's one thing to be able to heal and help other people, but you also need to be able to help people that is in your family. And if you can't, at least the resources, you know, send them the resources where they can get help. I also birthed uh, a business called My Permissions. It's an organization that um, just started this year. Um, mm-hmm. It's an organization to help create and promote healing. I'm on a mission to help create healing. Uh, dealing with the mind, the spirit, 
Mm-hmm. People, blah. Fruitfulness. I mean, you have you you are bearing fruit. <laughs> you are a tree that is bearing fruit, bearing good fruit now, and that's that's right. that is that is awesome. So you 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 were able to take those experiences and turn them into something not just productive for you, but productive for anybody that may be fortunate or blessed enough to be able to come and pick off your tree. And that is yeah. amazing. That is totally amazing. Now, if, if, if hindsight is 2020, what advice would you give to young girls who are in the midst of their own storm and dealing with situations and circumstances that have the potential to be totally overwhelming and has the potential to break them? How would you, how would you advise them? Um, I will, I will let them know the, don't settle for less than what they deserve. Real love does not hurt. It's not the end of the world if someone doesn't love you. If they uh, do something to, if they betray you, uh-huh. um, you're not responsible for what other people do to you. You are responsible for how you react. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, you, you can't make your, if, if you're still holding on to what is hurting you, what is keeping you in bondage, you're not making yourself available for the right person to love you. Absolutely. You know? So you have to find a way to let go of that and move from a place of pain and brokenness to, to healing. Absolutely. Absolutely. Perfectly, perfectly stated. So um, if you'd like, tell people how they can get in contact with you because I'm pretty sure that uh, there's so much more in depth that uh, we could have went. There's so much more experience, experiences that you have that are defining moments for you in your life. And I'm pretty sure that you would be, that you could be such a great, great, great benefit to uh other people that may be going through similar things that you've experienced. So tell people how they can get in contact with you, how they can uh, get the book and tell them if what ministries or organizations that you might be involved with. Sure. Um, My name is Melanie Smiles again, and um, you can log on to www.melaniesmiles.com. I'm also on social media, Facebook, um, Uh Melanie Smiles, Instagram, uh, mail, which is M-E-L underscore R-N smiles. Um, I'm also involved in Speak Life Ministries. If there is anyone that is in need of prayer or Bible study, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, uh, we have Bible study and praise report Friday. Um, you can log into my page and you will also find that information there. Um, so that's where they can reach me. All the okay. information is on the website. Okay, well, let me uh, take the moment to thank you again, uh, Ben Smiles, for uh, being my first uh, podcast uh, guest. I, like I said before, I couldn't have picked anybody better for my first time out. You have an amazing story. You are a magnificent woman. You have come through a lot. You've been through a lot. You are doing great things. You are moving forward. God's hand will most definitely be on you because nobody goes through that level of trauma and tragedy without it serving them in some way once they come through. What Everything you're receiving now is your reward. It is your blessing for going through the circumstances and situations that you've been through. 
Uh, you deserve everything that the world has to offer you. God is with you. Again, I thank you, Miss Miles, for um, joining me on this podcast. And maybe, 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 if I am fortunate enough, when that second book drops, we can mm-hmm. come back and do this again. Absolutely. Thank you very much. And you are more than welcome. It was simply a pleasure. I received that word of encouragement and inspiration. And uh, thank you again also for being a part of that that healing in my life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Thank you. I appreciate it. Mm-hmm. More than I'm back on your show. <laughs> okay. Well, thank thank you. I'm, I'm now I'm gonna hold you to that. <laughs> okay. All okay. right. Okay. Well, uh, once again, thank you, uh, Miss Melanie Smiles. Everybody, get the book. Get the book. It is an amazing writing of different authors. It is a compilation of different authors who have put their stories pen to paper, and they are giving you a blueprint on how to recover, how to go through it, and how to come out victorious. This is a group of successful Black women that have been through the trials and tribulations of life. So please pick up the book. Once again, I thank you again, Miss Melody Smiles, and I will be, we'll be doing this hopefully sometime later. God bless you. God bless you too. Thank you, everyone, for showing up and lending us your ear here on the Spirit Talk podcast. Once again, my name is Michael L. Pearson. I am a counselor and therapist at Christian Counseling Ministries. Telephone number is 513-238-2607. Marriage, family therapy, narcissistic abuse, narcissistic abuse recovery. That is what I offer. So, Don't be afraid to look us up, give us a call, and we can help you thrive and live your best life ever. Peace out. Till next time.